You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I want to get into the Word. I want to share what God has put on my heart. Let's just pray for just a moment. I know the Holy Spirit is here. I know the Word of God is living and active. And I know He is a Word for every person who is listening to me in this room and in the atrium. So let's just open our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are here. May our hearts be good soil to receive whatever you want to say to us today. Amen. 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 Well, I'm getting older and I'm starting to feel it. I turned 46 recently and I, I just, you discover certain things like uh, uh, last week it took me two goes to get off the sofa. Do you know, you kind of had to get momentum and then you were up and, and uh, I, I, you know, I used to be when I was younger an all-nighter meant partying all night. An all-nighter now is only going to the bathroom once during the night. Um, you know, different stages of life. My little boy keeps saying to me, Daddy, what were things like in the olden days? What were things like in the olden days? And what he really means by that are the pre-internet and, 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 and iPhone days. That's what he's talking about. He said to me last week, Daddy, tell me about CDs. And I said, son, even better than that, I'll tell you about cassette tapes. <laughs> cassette tapes. I'll not tell you what my first one was, but it was Kylie Minogue. And I'm so mortified by that. I was about eight years old, so please do have some grace for that. But he's growing, he's developing, he's just turned nine. He still loves cuddles in the morning. And I, you know, I'm so conscious when he comes in and, and I, I'm busy, but I just am so conscious that in a few years he'll not, you know, and even now when he gets to school, it's like, don't touch me, don't come near me, Dad, don't, 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 don't open the window and shout, I love you, which makes me want to do it even more, um, because he's just mortified. But he's growing, he's developing, he's changing, he's, and every stage of life brings changes, doesn't it? It brings physical changes in our bodies, it brings changes around us, it brings changes in our families, in our jobs, in our minds, in our hearts. And we've been through a particular season of, incredible change. I mean, I, you don't need me to tell you that. We have been through the most significant season of change that most of us have seen in our lifetime, I would imagine, and most of us will ever see. And now as we start to emerge out of this, God willing, here's what I have found is happening, that the external changes are going back to some sort of normality, but people are discovering that they've changed on the inside that something has shifted in the last 18 months. And the word I keep hearing is this, and actually Tom referred to it a moment ago, unsettled. There's an unsettledness. And there's a good unsettledness and a bad unsettledness, and there's an in-between unsettledness. But what I'm hearing are, people are saying things like, 18 months ago there was somebody I used to meet every Friday for coffee and it energized me and I loved it, and now it drains the life out of me. I meet them and I want to go home and lie in a dark room for an hour because, you know, or things that I used to love and be so passionate about, they just, they don't do it for me anymore. And I got that job and I prayed for that job two years ago and I loved it and now I just have no passion for that anymore. And I find it really hard to describe or define, but there's something stirring within. There's a restlessness, there's a shift, there's an unsettledness, there's, there's just that something is, is unsettled within us. And I think change is good. Change is the only thing in life we can be certain of. 
I think it's the bit in between the change that we struggle with. The bit where we, are, we have left something behind or we know that we're not there anymore. And we know there's something out here. We're just not sure what that is yet. And that gap between where you were and where you're going is what I call the tension of transition. The tension of transition. One other way of thinking about it is actually at the moment we're kind of, it feels like we're in a season between seasons, doesn't it? Yeah. One day you wake up and you'd have to put on a jumper and a coat. The next day you can go out in a shirt and you're, you know, and it's kind of, you're not sure how to dress because we're kind of in a season between seasons. That's kind of how transition feels. You're kind of in between where you were and where you're going. And the other way I like to put it is this. Some people say this. Have you ever heard this? God never closes one door without, but they never tell you about the hallway in between. Isn't that true? Yeah. And that hallway in between, and sometimes it's a long hallway, and sometimes it's a dark hallway, that is the tension of transition. And that's what I believe many of us are experiencing right now. We're in that hallway, and we're trying to navigate through because we know God has something for us at the other side. And all of this really came out of my own journey, and the journey of our family in the last five, six, seven years. Let me tell you a little. What I, I'm normally a line-by-line -line preacher. I want to just share something a wee bit different today. I want to tell you a little bit about our own story as a family. And then I want to share what I believe God is doing in this season of transition. So five years ago, we, had been, we were leading a church in inner city Dublin. We had moved there a year after we were married in 2011. We went to a church that had once been flourishing called Core. I renamed it St. Catherine's. What went into decline and we went into it and we poured our lives into it for five years. Our little boy was born there, uh, not in the church, in the hospital, the Coombe Church beside the <laughs> hospital. He wasn't that holy. Um, and, uh, and, and we just, we poured our lives and our hearts and God moved. I mean, God moved. God showed up. Uh, and we saw hundreds of people come to Christ. We saw drug addicts delivered. We saw uh, uh, people set free from demons. We saw uh, people from Muslim and Hindu backgrounds getting baptized. I mean, it was just incredible. It was in the middle of a drug-addicted community. We had a small group of drug addicts. I mean, they used to disappear into the bathroom every 10 minutes and come back slightly different. But, but we, we just were reaching the least and the last and the lowest. And we saw God move powerfully. I thought we would never leave there. I got an Irish passport for someone from my background. If you knew me, that is a big deal. That's almost a get you kicked out of your family type thing where I come from. But I honestly thought I would be buried in Dublin. We, we were just loving it. Now, it took its toll on us as a family. It was hard work. But we thought we were there for life. And then about year three to four, something started happening. And it was really hard to understand, but we began to feel that unsettledness. We began to sense that maybe God was leading us on. We began to sense that, that maybe we wouldn't be spending the rest of our lives there. And that continued to grow over the next two years. And, uh, and once that happens, here's what I've discovered happens. You still show up and you still give it your all. I'm one of those people, I'm an all or nothing, okay? So you still give it your all. You're fully there, you're fully present, but your heart starts to disconnect a little bit. You don't go deeper with friendships. You don't start a lot of new things. 
Because here's, here's what I say. Like, I, I stayed in the Clayton Hotel last night. I didn't decorate the room. <laughs> Why? You don't decorate somewhere you don't think you're going to be staying very long. And so, that's one of the signs that I've noticed in, in transition. When God might be moving you on somewhere else. Is it that before you move physically, emotionally, psychologically, you just start to detach. You're still showing up and work every day and you're still doing a good job as you should because you're honoring the Lord in your work. But your heart just isn't really there anymore. You're still meeting with that group of friends that you've always met with, but there's just not the connection there anymore. You're doing something that you used to find great blessing in, but you're putting all the same work into it and you're just not getting the same results. You're feeling confined and constricted and restricted and deep down you have this sense that there's more. You're just not sure what it is or what it looks like. And that's where Becky and I found ourselves as we approached 2016. Sensing that our time in Dublin was coming to an end but there was nothing at the other side of that. And so we felt a little bit in limbo. Now, we were due to take a sabbatical. A sabbatical is really where you take a time off from work, an extended period of rest, to reflect, to rest, to study. So in 2016, we were due to take an extended period of rest, a sabbatical, and then come back to Dublin and sign a new, our five-year contract was done, to sign a new contract. But as that sabbatical got closer and closer, our sense of our time here is done increased. But the problem was there was nothing on the other side. And as a husband, as a father, I have a responsibility. There's a difference between faith and foolishness. And I have a responsibility to look after my family. And so nothing was coming up. And so in the midst of that, I found myself in the early hours. God started for a while waking me up at 4.30 exactly. Thank you, Lord. That was fantastic. I really appreciate that. Every, I mean, twice, three times a week. I said to him, if you want me to get up and pray, it's got to be 4.30. And I would wake up two, three times a week and I would look and it would literally turn from 4.29 to 4.30. And I'd be like, dear Lord. And so I would go down to my study at the end of the corridor. I would go on my knees in front of my little fake leather recliner and I would pray. And this happened a few times. And, 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 and one in the midst of all of this, I... Woke up one morning, 4.30 on the dot, went down to my little study, I'm on my knees, and I prayed this prayer. God, will you open a door for us for the next thing? And in that moment, I had a vision, and I know that sounds hyper-spiritual. I have been a Christian 31 years, and I've probably had one or two visions in my entire life like this, okay? So don't think I'm, you know, this was, but I had this vision, and it was so vivid. And here's what it was. I was in prison, Okay. And the warden came along and said, you're released. And he opened the door and he let me out. And I started walking along the corridor and I knew what the inside of a prison was like, not because I'm from the north, but because I've done prison ministry before. And I knew what it was like. And I'm walking along the corridor and he says, you're free to go. And the whole way along the corridor, as I'm walking towards the exit, I have one question in my mind. Will there be anybody on the other side? Will there be anybody on the other side? And I had to keep walking. I remember they opened it and I went through the, the foyer and then there was this huge steel gate and it slowly started sliding open and in my mind the only thing I could think was will there be anybody waiting for me on the outside, on the other side? And it 
opened and there was a car full of smiling faces and the relief was incredible. And then I woke up. I came out of the vision, just like that. And immediately I was like, Lord, what was that? And here's what, without going into loads of detail, here's what God was saying to me. I am releasing you. You've been praying for an open door. I am opening the door to release you from this assignment. And you will have to walk by faith. And you don't know what's on the other side until you get there. You will have to keep walking and trust me. And that began the journey, which then, as, as uh, Pastor Tom said, became a book called The Tension of Transition, which is uh, just, if you're in that place, you might find that helpful. It's on Amazon. I'm not going to do a sales pitch. But, but that began the journey for us and our family. And so we had that vision. Becky and I talked. We prayed. And over the next week or two, a number of things happened. Uh, there was a lot of conversations. There was a lot of prayer. Becky resigned from her job as a speech therapist. I resigned from my job leading the church. And a month later, we drove away in our little 10-year-old one series car up the motorway with four months of sabbatical rest and a, no clue on the other side. No home, nothing to go to. And, uh, and, and that really began that journey of understanding transition for us. What does that look like? And I was... Uh, I was thinking about what God does in that season. And there's three things, and I want to just touch on them really quickly. What does God do in that season, in that in-between, where you've left something or someone or somewhere behind because you know that you're not meant to be there anymore, and you know there's something on the other side, and maybe you've got some vague picture of it, but you're just not sure what it looks like, and you find yourself in the hallway in-between. What is God doing in that season of transition. Three things, and I want to spend about three minutes on each one, and then I want to wrap it up. The first one is this. In transition, God is preparing us. In transition, God is preparing us. And the place I want to look at is the journey of the Israelites coming out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery. And I want you to look at verse 8 in Exodus 3. I have come down to rescue them. This is God speaking to Moses at the burning bush. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So there's two places. There's Egypt, where they've been, where they're familiar with. And then there's a new place that they haven't been and they haven't experienced yet. But if you look at the map, there's something in between. And it's a big desert. And that's what transition can be like. It can be like a desert. It can be like a wilderness. So why would God lead us through that barren place? What's he doing? First one is transition is preparation. One of my favorite movies when I was a kid was The Karate Kid. Now I'm not talking about the one with Will Smith's son. I'm talking about the OG one. Remember with, with uh, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel LaRusso? Remember, and this teenager moves to a new town and he gets bullied and he discovers that the janitor in the apartment complex knows karate and he says to him, will you teach me karate? And he says, I will. And, and for every day, Danny, the teenager, goes down to Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi just starts giving him these menial tasks to do. Wax the car. Wax the car. Wax on. Wax off. Remember that? 
You're showing your age, folks. Wax on, wax off. Paint the fence, paint the fence. Sand the floor, sand the floor. And after a week or so, Danny LaRusso is fuming because he wants to learn karate and all he is doing is doing these menial tasks for Mr. Miyagi. And there's this scene where he explodes at his mentor. And he says, I came to learn karate and all you have me doing is painting the fence and waxing the floor. And, and Mr. Miyagi says, Paint the fence and he does this and Mr. Miyagi throws a punch, did you like that? And he blocks the punch, he says, eh, eh, wax the car and he goes like this and, and every single thing he does was karate but he didn't realise it. The whole time he thought he was just doing menial, awful tasks but Mr. Miyagi was training him without him knowing it. And I think God does that to us in transition. He takes us into a place where there's, it feels barren, it feels lifeless, it feels wilderness, it's confusing, it feels unsettled, it feels insecure. And yet in the midst of that, without us even realizing it, he is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And we have no idea. And Moses knew this better than anyone. Because before Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. What's Moses been doing for 40 years? He's been in the backside of the wilderness, leading a bunch of stubborn sheep every day who wander off and get into trouble. And what does God send them to? Deliver the people from Egypt. And what does he spend the next 40 years doing? Leading a bunch of stubborn sheep through the wilderness who wander off and get into trouble. Little did he know that the 40 years looking after sheep was exactly the preparation he needed for 40 years of looking after God's people. Amen. And he does that all the time. God is working in you. God is working in your life. God's fingerprints are all over your life. And you might not see it. And you might not recognize it. And it might not feel like God is doing anything. But can I say to you, God is doing 10,000 things in your life today. And you're probably aware of about two of them. And I have discovered that the most barren, broken, hard seasons of my life where I thought God had forgotten about me where I thought he was not keeping his promises or answering my prayers, were the times where he was doing the most work. I always say this, it's not noisy in surgery. And when God is doing his deepest work, it's quiet. But he is working in you and he is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. So transition is preparation. The second thing is this, transition is transformation. Transition is designed for transformation. Transition, in fact, is the process from which we go from who we were to who we're going to be. Remember those teenage years, some of you? That'll be easier for some than others. <laughs> Remember when you started to get those spots? And it, yet to you, it looked like Mount Vesuvius on your forehead. To anybody else, they wouldn't see it. And your mom was like, let me pop it. Let me pop it. And you're like, no. And, and your voice started to change. And your hair started to grow in places. And those hormonal changes started to happen. And all of those changes and, and growth spurts and growing pains and all of that. It was, it was horrible. It was uncomfortable. And did you could not go through the transition from childhood to adulthood without adolescence. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. 
He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But I want you to hear this. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Do you know what transition always involves? Putting something behind you to take hold of what's in front of you. Leaving something there to take hold of the new. Leaving the old to take hold of what God has before you. Every transition, and this is tough, every transition begins with an ending. We have to let go of the old before we can pick up the new. Something of the past has to go. I call it a shedding of old skin. Everything, listen to this, everything incompatible with where God has taken you has to be stripped away. And that can be painful. And that can be hard because we get attached to things. Even bad things we get attached to because they're familiar and they're comfortable. Jesus said this. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I've been studying this, and apparently the eye of the needle, some of you might know this, were the little holes in the walls of Jerusalem that you went through on your journey. And there were small, I've been to Jerusalem, I've been to Israel, and, and, and there's these little walls, and, or these little holes in the walls where you pass from one part of the city into the other. And when a camel had to go through it, it would never get through it unless it did one thing. It got rid of the baggage on its back. Because it was too tight otherwise. And some of us find ourselves in that tight place. That constricted place. Where we know there's something on the other side. We can't really see it yet. And we want to get there. But God has said, I can't get you there unless you're willing to shed some of the stuff you're carrying right now. Unless you're willing to let go of some of the stuff that you are holding on to. And it might have been really good stuff in the past. But it's not for the next season. And letting go is hard. Letting go is hard, especially when we haven't seen what's on the other side. Do you know what I prefer to do? I prefer to swap. Like God says, let go, and I go, well, God, I, I mean, I don't mind letting go, but let me see what you're going to give me if I do let go. Let me tell you, I'm looking at the clock, okay, three, four minutes, five when I met my wife actually before I met my wife I'd been dating a girl for two years lovely girl called Jude, wonderful girl it was one of those relationships that was good enough to stay in but not good enough I've not, it wasn't progressing towards marriage but it was comfortable she was a lovely girl and you know what, it was better than sitting on my own on a Saturday night and we got on well and she was great and I thought you know what maybe my heart will change maybe you know and and I remember I was an assistant pastor at this stage in a church and a, a, a girl who was a quite prophetic in my church came to me one day and she said, Craig, the Lord showed me this. He showed me that you're holding on to this relationship because it's comfortable and it's safe and your hand is closed and he has somebody for you but he can't put them into your hand because your hand is closed. And if you will release this relationship God will give you the person that you desire. And I find that really hard. Because I thought, well, what if I let go of Jude and he doesn't give me the person I desire? Like, what if I, 
he shows me the person I desire, not that I two-time Jude, but that I kind of know that she's there, and then I let go of Jude, you know? And that wasn't going to happen, so eventually, after a few weeks, Jude and I went our separate ways, and a week later, a friend of mine brought his friend to hear me preach, and her name was Becky Fletcher. And I remember preaching and she was sitting down there and she was wearing white jeans and I could hardly preach. I was so distracted. <laughs> and we, again I'm going to show my age, we beboed for two months. Remember, pre-Facebook Bebo, for two months. We had our first date on the 22nd of August. We got engaged four months and two days later. My parents didn't even know her second name, her surname. And, uh, and we got married nine months later. What if I hadn't been willing to let go? And sometimes God says, you need to let go and trust me. You need to let go and trust me for I have more for you. And even though you don't know what's on the other side, you need to trust me. So transition is about preparation. Transition is about transformation. And lastly, as I finish, transition is where we learn to trust God. number of years ago, I, I, I don't go away from my family much. I just don't like being away from my family. Um, I'm one of those people who actually really, really likes my wife. And, uh, and she's my best friend, and there's nobody else I'd rather hang out with. And, and so we don't spend a lot of time apart. But in 2016, it just so happened that back to back of two trips. I was in Israel for eight days, and then I was home for a few days. And then I was in the States for 10 days doing some ministry stuff. And, and our little boy was three at the time, and I didn't want to upset him, so I didn't really tell him, you know, what it was going on. I didn't really tell him I was, you know, that I was going to be away. I kind of thought he'd just deal with it. And then the whole time I'm away, I'm thinking, I'm panicking, thinking he's going to think I'm not coming home ever again. We got a dog recently, and we kind of the same. We left him for a week with somebody, and the whole week I'm like, when we get back, like to, now that he's with somebody else, does he just assume that they're his new owner? Do you know what I mean? And and and, and so I. After that, I decided, you know what, even if it's hard, even if Elijah cries when I'm going away, I'm going to tell him because I want him to trust me. Okay. I want to build up that level of trust. That when I say I'm going away and I'm coming back, he can trust his dad. And if you were to say to my son right now, do you trust your dad? He would say, dad has kept every word. He tells horrible jokes, but he has kept every word. Because I will never promise him anything and not follow through. And that's what God was doing in the wilderness. These people had been slaves for 430 years. They didn't know what it was like to have a father who loved them. They knew what it was like to have a slave driver who beat them. But there's a difference between being a slave and being a son and daughter. And the wilderness, the transition period, was God teaching his people that you can trust me, that I will provide for you. Every morning they got up, there was food in the ground. They needed water, they struck a rock. They needed to get through the Red Sea, he parted. God was teaching his people that you can trust me to provide for you. And if I can provide for your basic needs, just think what I can do in a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he was, he was, he was teaching them to trust him because when they got to the promised land, there were going to be obstacles and opposition. And if they didn't trust him, they were never going to take what he had for them. And God was saying, I will take care of you. 
I am faithful. I will keep my word. I have so much more than the bare minimum for you. I have so much more than survival for you. I have so much more than just scraping by for you. For I am a God of abundance. I am a God of more than enough. I am a God of plenty. I am not a stingy God. I am not a scarce God. I am a God who will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's what he was teaching them. And that's what he wants to teach us. Slaves fear their masters, sons and daughters trust their father. And so in this transition period, he's moving them from being fearful slaves to trusting sons. And I want to tell you what God says about you in Galatians 4. He says, you are no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you and you and you and you an heir. Do you know what that means? Everything that he has belongs to you. Amen. He has withheld nothing from you. God. And that's what we discovered in our journey of transition. And so we spent the first week of, or the first month of our sabbatical or rest in the north coast of Ireland. Then we went to the States for two months. Expecting that something would come up, some opportunity would open up while we were there, but nothing did. And so we're left in limbo, we're coming home from the States with one month of our sabbatical left and no job. No house. Our little boy's meant to start preschool with nowhere for him. And so we just thought, where will we move to? And we liked the north coast of Ireland, so we went on a thing called Gumtree, rented a house, found someone who would rent us a house for six months. We moved to the north coast. No job. And after a few weeks, I'm trying to hold on to the vision. Remember, there'll be somebody waiting on the other side. There'll be somebody waiting on the other side. But I'm starting to get antsy. I'm starting to get anxious. I'm starting to get stressed. I'm trying to be the great man of faith in front of everyone else, but inside I'm starting to really worry. Because our bills are piling up. We have rent to pay for and have no money. And the last week of our sabbatical, as I'm getting stressed, I decided I'm going to turn on my old mobile phone from the south. And I turn it on and there's a text comes through immediately from a pastor of a big church up there called Causeway Coast Vineyard. He said it the day before, saying, can we meet for coffee? I met him for coffee the next day. I, he said, do you want to come on staff? I said, doing what? He said, write your own job description, but I want you to preach every week. He said, what about your wife? I said, well, what about her? He says, does she want to come on staff? I said, doing what? Tell her to write her own job description. And I, I thought, this is incredible. But then I went, Alan, I just need to ask you something. Is this paid or is this volunteer? <laughs> and here's what he said. Alan said it's paid. He said, here's what happened. Four months ago before you even went to the States, we had a, a, a director's meeting of our trustees. And in that meeting, God prompted me to say this. Can we set aside a full-time salary just in case Craig and Becky ever move here so that we don't have to have another meeting so that the money is set aside? While I was worrying, God was working. Amen. While I was stressing, he was sovereignly 
working behind the scenes and he came through. And I tell you that because he is no respecter of persons. And I want to say to you right now that maybe you're in a place where you're going, God, I can't see your hand. God, I don't know what the future holds. God, I'm so stressed, I can't see how I'm going to pay these bills. God, you told me to leave this relationship behind because it wasn't right for me. You told me to leave this job behind because it was toxic, but there's nothing here. God, it feels like you're not answering my prayers or the promises. I want to say to you today that he is faithful. He will be faithful. He keeps his word. And if God has spoken to you, and if God, and you know what, he... There's a whole book of promises right here. You stand on them. You declare them. You sing them. You preach them to yourself. And you say to yourself, I am not going to live by what I see. I'm going to live by what he said. Because all of his promises are yes and amen.